1: Welcome to Inside the Archives, 93XRT's newest podcast. Inside the Archives takes you backstage, into the dressing room, and the record shop as our DJs tell you the stories of the musical moments that have helped define their career. Whether it's Terry Hemmert hanging out with Paul McCartney, Lynn Bramer interviewing Mick Jagger, Mary Dixon providing front row coverage at Barack Obama's election night celebration, or Marty Leonards chatting alongside Lollapalooza headliners, we're giving you the story behind the story. You'll get an extended take on topics your DJs are talking about on their show, plus plenty of more surprises. we got a platform for them to give an extended conversation on what music they're into, different topics surrounding music, and much, much more. We'll also give you a roundup on the latest news going on in the music world, as well as a look at what's going on here at 93XRT, our programming features, exciting contests that you can enter to win great tickets for, and so much more. I'm your host, Marty Rosenbaum, XRT's digital content producer and all things social media. I've been at XRT since 2011, but I'm still very much a baby. I started off in the promotions department, worked there for a few years, and shifted over to managing the website, writing stories for the website, helping to produce videos, a lot of the great concert live streams that you've been watching, and handle our social media pages too. And yes, to answer your question, I do see your comments on Facebook and responses on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm very much aware of everything. So, for that, I'm thankful. If we didn't have an engaging audience like you, it wouldn't keep us challenged here to deliver you the best content and what you've expected out of XRT after all these years. So, to our listeners, first and foremost, before we get into things, I want to thank you for listening and being actively involved in our lives, and we hope that we can reciprocate that in yours as well because everyone that i've met out in the field at xrt shows or various other events has just been a joy to talk to and clearly passionate about music and about xrt as well so i do not take that for granted as we put this podcast together and any future podcast or other content that you'll hear on xrt see on 93xrt.com or on our social media pages Today's podcast, we're going to talk with XRT's Jason Thomas about a wide variety of topics uh, surrounding new music, his role on the big beat, and an interesting piece that I read on the blog, Stereo Gum talking about bands that got their start in the early to mid-2000s, even later 2000s for some bands, and what they're doing today as 2017 seemed to be a seminal year for bands like Arcade Fire, The Killers, LCD Sound System, St. Vincent, and many more who have released new albums that sound a lot different than what they had released nearly a decade ago. So we'll be talking about that. Uh, Also taking a look into the big beat and how Jason programs the show. If you don't listen to the show, hey, get on it. It's a fantastic show, but it's also a great source for finding new music. It's every Monday from 10 p.m. until midnight on 93XRT or streaming on 93XRT.com. The part that I like about the show is that Jason has a remarkable level of consistency. His show varies from week to week. There are songs that bounce for a couple weeks in a row. But for the most part, you're not going to see the same thing played every single week. And he does a really, really good job at studying new music and finding out a wide variety of songs that are brand new and that he digs. And more importantly, that you'll dig. And it's not just rock and roll. He varies from hip hop r&b electronic music soul as well so you really get a diverse palette of new music that's coming out every week so we'll chat with jason about that and we're also going to round up some of the biggest news headlines of the past week and give you a take on what is going on here at xrt this week Uh, we're joined by XRT's evening DJ and host of the Big Beat, Jason Thomas, right now. Uh, Jason started the Big Beat in 2015, uh, took over for Marty Lunnerts, and you already know the theme of the show. He's playing deep cuts from bands you normally hear on XRT, and he also gives spins uh, to bands you don't normally hear on XRT. Some of his favorites that he's listed from this past year include Ride, Japan Droids, Chance the Rapper, D-Day's Shadow, Odessa, and more. So Jason, welcome on in. Hey, uh, what's up? So since you've taken over for the Big B, you're already an avid new music listener and consumer prior to the show. Um, what are, what are some of the biggest things you've learned about music and curating a new music show since you've taken over?
0: Yeah, I I started doing the show in 2015. Uh, Marty Leonard's had been hosting it. He moved to early afternoons and then, uh, the show kind of opened up. So they asked me if I wanted to host it and, uh, I said, I said, yeah. And, and, and they basically said, Hey, you know, if, if you host the new music show, I, I asked, well, like, what are the guidelines? So I like, are, are there any rules here? And it was like, no, just listen to as much new music as you can, uh, every week and then play two hours of it on Monday night. Um, and there was really no format restriction. I mean, I, I try to not get too out there, not, not too left to center, not, not too far away from what we normally play during the week. Um. But I do play some hip hop, some R and B, uh, some electronic stuff on the show. Just because, like you know, if you look at like maybe a festival lineup, you look at Lollapalooza, you look at Pitchfork. I, I, I kind of want the show to to look like that, just like cool, cool finger quotes, air quotes, uh, new music that you know, youngish, you know youngish people or adults would be into so that that's that's pretty much it just listen to as much new music as I can every week and then play two hours of it on Monday night
1: yeah you definitely get that impression either listening to the show or seeing the playlist afterwards that it does replicate the Lollapalooza's Bonnaroo's Coachella's of the world Um, and you are hearing music that fits in the realm of XRT which I find cool about it because like you said you get electronic or hip-hop but it's not really something that is going to be Having a listener tune in and say, "What is this doing on XRT?" But you know, it piques their interest.
0: Yeah, hosting a new music show—it's—it's it's like you want to—you want to push things. You want to push things a little bit, um, and yeah, you notice it with younger generations too. Like I would probably be like the younger end of Gen X, but then you see it with millennials and what's coming after them. I don't know what that generation is called yet. I Gen Generation something. Z, but I, like like genre is is like less important. I think the younger people get like you look at my parents' generation, the Boomers, and older Gen X. I think I think tribalism was a little more prevalent there. Like like oh, I listen to rock. This is a rock station. Like I don't want to hear anything but rock on this radio station. So. I think with the younger generation, you know, it's like more more of a playlist culture and stuff like that. I like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, so, yeah, you're definitely going to hear more stuff in, in those two hours on Monday night from 10 to midnight.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, that, that's something you've seen with a lot of new releases, too, which we'll cover in a little bit, like Francis and the Lights, Chance the Rapper teaming up. And I remember a few years ago, uh, Kid Cudi and MGMT did a song together. So, you know, you're, you're absolutely right in speaking as someone from the millennial generation, which, you know, probably get some flack for it afterwards. It, it, it really doesn't, uh, the labels don't matter as much as it may have in the past. So on a new music show, how do you define new music? And how long can a song stay on a new music show before it isn't new
0: music? Yeah, I mean, so I get, I get two hours, uh, and there's usually room for anywhere between like 23 and 26 records a week. So a lot of the times... Like, when an artist, you, you'll see this sometimes, like, if you're scrolling Twitter or Facebook, like, so-and-so announces a new album, shares a new track. So, like, here's this new track. The album's coming out in three months. Well, I'll play that track on the show for maybe three, four, five weeks, and then I have to move on to something else, and the album's still not even out for two months. Um, so sometimes when the album um, finally so comes out, when the album finally will be like, comes oh, yeah, God, I remember that song. I, like, I played that, you know, months ago, and you, maybe, you'll maybe go back and revisit it, but... Um, yeah, on the big beats, stuff is definitely, definitely brand new. Um, some of the stronger albums from maybe 2017, like The War on Drugs, uh, A Deeper Understanding, uh, the XX album. Like, I'll play four or five tracks from albums like that, LCD Sound System, and uh, other artists, maybe the up-and-comers, one track from a release, maybe two. Um, but yeah, I'll try and keep, like, some of the better songs on the show for maybe four or five weeks at a time. But then, as good as they are, it's just... it you just have to move on to, to new stuff because there's always new music coming in. Um, and it, 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 can, it can be pretty time-consuming trying to stay on top yeah. of it all.
1: Yeah. Um, one of the things that I like about the show is it does have that level of consistency, like you said, getting into deeper cuts on the War on Drugs album or LCD Sound System's American Dream, but you're also getting a fresh batch of new releases every week. Um, you know, how do you decide when you're listening to a song and say this is going to come on the big beat. I want to put this on next week's show. And then after the show, how do you come to the conclusion that I want this on next week's show or this is going to be a one-week only
0: thing? Yeah, I mean, there are some bands, like, they'll put something out, and it doesn't even matter really what it sounds like. It's like, this band, they have new music. It has to go on the show. Like, uh, Dirty Projectors last year, like, they share something. It's just like, boom, it's going to be on the show. Or Lana Del Rey show, share something. It's like, that's going on the show. LCD Sound System, some of the bigger, more established names. Um how do I figure out what goes on the show? Basically I like on Spotify, I'll just put together a little playlist for myself. Um, I'll list, I'll preview as many new tracks as I can every week. And like the ones that sound good, I'll put them into like another playlist and I'll listen to that. When I have more time, I'll just sort of have it on shuffle and be like, Oh, that sounds good. I'll play that on the show this week. So, um, yeah, I probably bring on like, you know, nine or 10 new songs every week. And, uh, yeah, that's how I do it. I'm just, I'm just trying to listen to as much new stuff as I can. Um, you try and balance things out a little bit. Like, you don't want maybe if I'm playing 25 songs a week, you know, 20 of them being rock songs. That's maybe a little too much rock, and maybe a little. You want to not maybe play too much R&B and too much hip hop. You know, you want to have a nice balance of, of things. You know, you want to space things out a little bit. Um, so I keep that in mind, like like keeping a nice balance on the show. But as far as like what makes it on the show, um, there are certain labels that will put stuff out that you really kind of trust, and they have uh, a nice long history, like Sub Pop is one of those labels, or, or Merge, or the whole Beggars group, which includes Matador, and, and XL, and, and Young Turks, and labels like that. So yeah, certain labels you, you pay more attention to, and then, um, yeah, just trying to listen to as much new stuff as I can. Um, and hey, if it sounds good, I'll play it on the show. That's pretty. That's pretty much. Yeah,
1: it. and and you certainly see the diversity when you're sequencing the show too. Like you said, you're not going to hear. All right, here's a set of rock music. Here's a set of hip
0: hop. It's all going to be interspersed with. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to. Yeah, you want to mix things up. Have a nice balance. Yeah.
1: Twenty seventeen's in the rearview mirror, and as you mentioned, there was a lot of great releases from the past year. You dedicated two entire weeks of the Big Beat just to your favorite songs of twenty seventeen. Uh, there is. Songs like Japan Droids, Near to the Wild Heart of Life, Lana Del Rey's Love, Craig Finn's God in Chicago, Gorillas, Andrew Rita, War on Drugs, Pain, LCD Sound Systems, Tonight, and you know, the list goes on and on. You said you have about twenty-five songs uh, per show. So, what I want to ask you is, whittle down from the songs, your favorite albums from twenty seventeen.
0: Yeah, it's it's I. It, it can be tough to listen to to full albums. Like since I started doing the Big Beat, I'm I'm so. Focused on listening to as many tracks as I can every week. Um, I don't always get to spend as much time with with full albums as I'd like to. But then there, there's some that are just so good. It's just like, yep, yeah, well, when I start listening to them, I have to sort of let them play out. Like the XX album, uh, like the War on Drugs, those were probably my two favorites from last year. But as far I didn't even do like, a lot of my friends, they'll do their their top 10 albums of the year, top 20 albums of the year. I honestly didn't listen to and spend time with as many full albums as as I would have liked. So I didn't really feel like I could put out like a legitimate list. I'd like tracks, sure, I'll do, I'll do lists of tracks all day. It's just, since I started doing the big beat, it's just I've, I've been so focused on, on tracks. Like, so I'll do that, you know, like on my big beat best of show where, I, you know, my favorite tracks of the year, I actually do two of them, like you said. But, um, yeah, so I, I can just say off the top of my head, the XX and the War on Drugs, those two records from last year were were probably my two favorites. Yeah, yeah.
1: Those, those were albums you could sit down and spend a lot of time with right off the bat. Uh, I know you being a big LCD Sound System fan, that must have been nice to finally yeah, have was, a new record from yeah, them yes. after all these years. Yeah,
0: it was nice to have them back.
1: Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's an interesting perspective. and really think about, you know, as you mentioned, you don't really get the time to sit down and listen to new albums. They're so focused on curating the best songs of the past year. Um, what, what bands surprised you in 2017?
0: Uh, In 2017, uh, there's a band out of the UK, Nottingham, I believe, Sleaford Mods, I liked a lot. It's uh, just really simple beats and uh, sort of a hip-hop vibe with uh, an East Midlands accent going on there. Sleaford Mods, I I I dug that record a lot. English Tapas is the name of the album. And uh, yeah, English Tapas. And uh, Slow Dive, uh, another, I'm a bit of an Anglophile, but... Uh, Slowdive put out their first album, I think, in 18 years, and it was just a phenomenal listen. It was it was really nice having that band back in 2017. Ride as well, I think, their first album in 18 years. Don't quote me on that, but it had been quite a while for the, both those bands, Ride and uh, and Slowdive.
1: Yeah, uh, and that was one thing I noticed looking over your playlist was you know, bands like Ride and Slowdive that in the blogosphere get a lot of attention and a lot of content surrounds, hey, when are these guys coming back? When are they giving new material? But 2017 was the year that finally happened, which you know transitions me to my next point, is that in 2017 we got a lot of new albums from bands that have been around for over a decade now, but in some circles may still seem like they're new bands. Uh, for example, we had new albums from Arcade Fire, LCD Sound System, The Killers, St. Vincent, The National Spoon, Grizzly Bear, and uh, Wolf Parade, who reunited as well. There was a piece I read on uh, the blog Stereo Gum. The author wrote about the return of these bands in 2017. And first, it freaked me out because it's been like, geez, it's been 10 years since <laughs> it's
0: mid-2000s indie rock. Oh, just and, wait. Uh, just wait till you get older. Right? Yeah, this like is, every, I'm showing you guys, my youth right now. As you get now. older and older, you're going to have more of those moments. <laughs> like, oh, wait, that, that band's not new anymore. They've yeah. been around for, yeah, I, I had that. I remember hearing Pearl Jam on classic rock stations for the first time it's like whoa
1: yeah it it's cer- it's certainly a bit of a slap in the face to to reality but you know then again there'll be people like you said who are going to be telling me that regardless but one of the big points that the article made was that the musical landscape for these bands in 2017 is vastly different than it was in the 2000s and the sounds of these bands are reflecting that in the mid 2000s arcade fire lcd sound system saint vincent yeah 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 grizzly bear they're all connected by the indie rock label and when you thought of indie rock a lot of those bands came to mind but with the latest releases it doesn't really sound like indie rock anymore a lot of them have progressed
0: forward yeah there's that you know loose term like indie right um but a lot of those bands that you mentioned came out of new york in the in the 2000s and there's actually a a really good book that came out last year uh God, meet Me in the Bathroom, I think Lizzie Goodman wrote it. And it's just about the New York scene of the 2000s. And it starts off with The Strokes. The stri- there's, there's a lot of stuff about The Strokes because their debut album, when that came out in 2001, there, there was like new metal and pop music kind of ruled the charts. It ruled MTV. It ruled like, you know, the album charts. And then The Strokes record, I was, I was 23 when that first Strokes album came out. And it was just like, I was like right smack. It was like right in my wheelhouse. And it, it was this kind of cool rock band uh, with these simple songs that you could dance to. And it, it was, it's like, oh, rock is, is fun again. It's not all about like, oh, my dad hates me and, you know, I want to break stuff and, and all that. Um, so I remember the Strokes broke out and Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. But yeah, the book, uh, Meet Me in the Bathroom, it talks about the strokes, it talks about Yeahs, yeah, yes, LCD sound system, lots of good stories about James Murphy. I didn't know he was such an alpha dog. He is like control freak in the studio and can be kind of hard to work with. But uh, there's a really good story in the book about James Murphy doing ecstasy for the first time. Um, but that's, that was kind of like the first wave, the strokes, and Yeahs, yeah, yes, and then it gets into uh, LCD sound system and Grizzly Bear, and TV on the radio, and Vampire Weekend, and so many of those bands that you mentioned. So um, I can't remember what your initial question was, but I would highly recommend the book, Meet Me in the Bathroom. I started reading it, and I just I couldn't put it down. It's just little anecdotes from pretty much everybody that was a part of that scene, just telling stories about what they remember and uh, how things were in New York back then. Some good Ryan Adams stories, too. Yeah. He was in there.
1: Yeah, I, I remember seeing excerpts from the book that really opened your eyes and go, wow never would have pictured these guys doing these types of things but like you said it was it was a, it was a brand new thing at the time and i think as we moved on a decade later you're starting to see that classification as you did with 90s grunge rock 80s hair metal the psychedelic era of the 60s and 70s okay. that this is the sound that they're lumped together with but you know like a, a lot of the bands that came before them they're continuing to progress on and redefine who they are and in that sense they'll always be connected by that era but they are creating something new, and I think in 2017 that's pretty cool. What kind of lessons do you think that teaches for new bands today and how they shape their careers moving forward?
0: yeah, I don't the music industry i mean it's 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 evolved so quickly, you know it's just like it, it's so much different than it was ten years it's just the way people consume music right i mean it's like I remember when the iPod went away. It's like, wait, this thing's brand new. It's like, well, you know, people aren't paying 99 cents to download songs anymore. They're just streaming everything. And uh, that really wasn't that long ago. And, you know, before that, it was a big deal when people stopped buying physical CDs as much, you know, people still do buy physical records. I mean, you see the thing with vinyl, too, that, that vinyl sales kind of incrementally, like, increase each year. It's still not a massive amount of music. is not enough to float the entire industry, but it is kind of cool to see that. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm fortunate enough to where, like, I don't, like, with what I do on XRT, it's just, here, listen to as much new music as you can, play it on the big beat. Uh, We still play a bunch of new music during the week, too. So I'm kind of more focused on just listening to records and then playing it on the radio and talking about the music, the, the business side of things, isn't really part of what I do. So I, may, I might not be the best person to ask about that. Um, but, I mean, it's, even just as a listener, you know, just someone that listens to a lot of music, it, it's something that you notice and you pay attention to. It's just like, you just stop once in a while and think, like, wow, the, the way I listen to music, the way I organize my music, it, it's so much different than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, and, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Forget about it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you're right. I mean, the
1: way in which we consume it and talking about these bands the past decades when they're still pushing CDs or download our new single compared to where we're at now where, hey, we're going to throw it up on Spotify, uh, become a member of this streaming service and you'll hear our single before anyone else. That consumption has been radically altered.
0: Yeah, there was a a thing to bring up that book again, the Meet Me in the Bathroom book. When the Strokes were going to sign with a record label, they, they were one of the last bands that benefited from the, the whole like, bidding war kind of a thing, like being wooed by record labels, like, hey, we'll send a limo. We're going to go out to these fancy dinners because they, they had more money coming in. Um, it's definitely not like that right. anymore. I mean, for, for a couple of acts it is, but for the vast majority of recording artists, I don't, I don't think it is. Yeah, well,
1: and I mean, it's cool, too, because you see with music festivals, and this is, this is something you know, I'll be talking about later, You have the Bonnaroo lineup that just got announced where The Killer and Muse are two of the big headliners. Um, And you look back a decade ago, yeah, they they were big acts. Muse did headline Lollapalooza in 2007, but certain acts from that area are now festival headliners, and some acts are still on the undercard, which isn't a bad thing, uh, but it's interesting to see how some bands have managed to elevate themselves to headliner status, to an arena band status, when all of them shared and played in similar clubs during that time period. Why do you think... That's the case.
0: Yeah, the, the Killers are one of those bands from that two thousands era. They they sort of came up with a lot of those other bands that we mentioned a little while ago. Um, but they became an arena band. They became festival headliners, and a band like the Walkmen didn't, or you know, the Strokes. They sort of flamed out. Um, but the Killers, you sort of have that thing where certain bands will lay the groundwork. They'll do it first, and then the band that comes after them that sort of follows in their footsteps, they'll sort of rise up and, and become the biggest band and the killers of those bands that came along in the 2000s. They, they seem to be uh, doing pretty well for themselves. But then, you know, you, you stop once in a while and the killers are like this. Um, I think Coldplay is like this too where you just stop after a while and you, you think, like, how many, like, you know, they'll put out um, a greatest hits or something like that or someone will, will write a piece on uh, Stereogum or, or Pitchfork about one of these bands, and you realize like, how many of their songs that you know. Like mm-hmm. If you see them like, play a festival or something like that when bands are playing their hits, their best-known songs, and you're sitting there for 30 minutes, and you're like, God, I know every single one of these songs, with, like The Killers or um, Coldplay, even Muse. You yeah, know, yeah. That, that's another band like that. Um, yeah, and that was something I
1: saw firsthand at the XRT Holiday Jam concert with Spoon. It seemed every song they are played, A, man, I heard this on XRT at some point in the past five years. B, I can't believe how many Spoon songs I know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, they're give, a spo- band, give a Spoon man. a lot of credit. I mean, they're always put on a stellar show. The records always do the job for me. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I was sitting in my seat like, man, this they, they've done well for themselves. you know, you got to take a step back and realize that before you start to negatively critique. Oh, why is this
0: band headlining Lollapalooza? you got a good argument for it. Yeah. Spoon. Yeah. You mentioned Spoon. That's, uh, I like talking about them on the radio because they're one of those bands. I think the national are kind of like that too, where it's just like, they put out a record. They're so consistent. There's, there's so much talent in the band. They're they're so good at what they do. You just know the record's going to be good. They're very dependable. It's not, they're not necessarily predictable, but you just, they're somewhat consistent. Like, you know, the album's going to be good. It's going to sound like that band. Not exactly like their older stuff, but you just you kind of know you're going to get something good. And Spoon is definitely, definitely one of those bands.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that I think that too speaks to their trajectory in their career. and more people start to get their sound, and as they carve it out, you know, with their new release, it's going to sound like it's Spoon, The National, uh, even Saint Vincent. Her new record is wild. Oh, she's And like, absolutely different in what than what she's put out in the past, but it still has that Saint Vincent
0: sound. Yeah, she's in her. She's like otherworldly, like her talent and her songwriting. I mean, she's just, yeah, she's in her own league. And her live show's amazing. She's got a show coming up. This is Friday at Chicago Theater. As we record this.
1: Yeah, well, on Friday, January 12th at the Chicago Theater. I'm sure the
0: show was awesome.
1: Yeah, or it will be a great show. Uh, well, Jason, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, we you continued success in
0: 2018. But before we let you go, I want to know what you're looking forward to in the new year. Uh, not feeling sick. God, I got the flu like ten days ago, and I'm still. I'm like just getting over it. I've never. I've never. I've never had one like this. Like I usually kick it in two or three days, but this one was like no joke. Uh, so yeah, happy and healthy 2018 is what I'm looking forward to. But you're like talking about music and stuff.
1: No, we. I mean, Uh, we can go personal or music, whichever avenue. But musically. Let's,
0: uh, we'll, we'll go back to the music. What are, you, what are you looking forward to in the music world? Uh, Vampire Weekend. They should be putting out a record this year. Rostam le- left the band, but I think he said he's still going to work with them in the future. But I've been in love. I, I've just, like, all three of those records they put out in, God, I think, 08, 2010, 2013. I've, I've just fallen in love with all three of them. That band is just, like, nobody... They just do their own thing. They're, they're they're so, I mean, they're just unique and, and fun and interesting, and, and like their lyrics. I, I just, I, I'm a huge, huge Vampire Weekend fan, so I'm, I'm definitely, that's one of those bands we were talking about, those 2000s bands. Uh, late 2000s, late aughts, but um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing what they have coming
1: out this year. Yeah, well, and another one, too, that I'm personally excited about is Jack White. He released a. 10 second teaser clip this tuesday on facebook that was about seven seconds of showing various families sitting in a living room with a wobbly synthesizer going at it, and then just said coming tomorrow uh you know it's going to be a surprise whatever he has in store
0: yeah 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 no jack he's uh he's earned the right to just kind of do things his own way and and yeah no no just release record make records that he wants and Nashville Jack. That's that's where we've been for a while now, right? I I kinda fell in love with I kinda fell in love with Detroit Jack. Um he's doing like bigger bands now and you know, his sound is evolving and yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what, what he's got coming out. Yeah. Well and now that he's opened up a third man records in Detroit, it seems he's trying to blend the best of both worlds
1: of Jack White and Nashville, Detroit Jack. So both great American music cities. Yeah, I think I think either way we're gonna be in for a treat. Well Jason Thomas, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, man. Big thanks once again to Jason Thomas for joining us and talking about new music and the big beat. Let's take a look at some of the big music headlines that have popped up over the past week. And... We're getting closer to summer, even though it may not feel like it here in Chicago, with the announcement of Coachella and Bonnaroo's lineups. These are two of the bigger festivals that take place every year. And once again, they've delivered star-studded lineups. Coachella is happening in Indio, California, over two weekends this April, with The weekend Beyonce, and Eminem listed as the headliners for the festival. And while there's an absence of rock headlining Uh, These artists are certainly worthy of their spots as they will surely draw a huge audience. Other interesting bookings of note are Jamiroquai, St. Vincent, War on Drugs, David Byrne, Sheik featuring Nile Rodgers, Portugal the Man, Alt-J, and many more. Bonnaroo just dropped their lineup as well featuring Eminem, The Killers, and Muse headliners, so a little bit more rock and roll in those headlining spots. You also see Sturgill Simpson, Bon Iver featuring two unique sets, Chill Crow, Chic once again featuring Nile Rogers and Mavis Staples making an appearance down in Tennessee. There are also two music festivals that drop their lineups that don't have the notoriety of Bonnaroo or Coachella, but both contain excellent lineups and an interesting connection between the two that I think bodes well for future festivals this summer. First was Governor's Ball in New York City. It features Eminem, Jack White, Travis Scott, and the Yeah Yeah Yeahs as headliners. It also features a really underrated booking, in my opinion, of the Gaslight Anthem performing their album, The 59 Sound, in its entirety. The Gaslight Anthem has been on hiatus for a couple of years now, but will be making their return to the stage and performing a great album in its entirety. There's also the Shaky Knees Festival, which announced their lineup. This fest takes place in Atlanta, and we'll see Jack White, Queens of the Stone Age, in the national headlining. You'll also get performances from David Byrne. Cake and Franz Ferdinand. I think the fact that Jack White appears as a headliner on both of these festivals is a great thing. He's been teasing new music for a while now, dropped a short teaser this week as well as a new song. And to have him back in our lives is a wonderful thing, as Jason and I talked about earlier. And it wouldn't surprise me if White comes to Chicago this summer. I have no factual basis for this claim, but. I think, logically speaking, we could see White playing a massive concert, whether that's at Lollapalooza, one of the other festivals in town, or performing at a place like the Chicago Theater, as he did in 2015, over a couple of nights. But the fact that Jack White's getting billed as a festival headliner shows that he's going to make his return to the stage this year, and I could not be more excited about that. And I know you'll be as well to see what surprises Jack White has up his sleeve. Other big news coming out this week was David Byrne announcing his first new album in 14 years American Utopia, which is due out on March 9th. David Byrne, as we mentioned, is appearing at Coachella as well as the Shaky Knees festival so it would be great to see him booked in Chicago this summer, especially in the outdoors at Grant Park hint hint wink wink nudge nudge. but he uh, he released a new song Everybody's coming to my house. We had some Facebook comments that had mixed reviews on it. some people liked it, some people didn't like it so much, which. Doesn't come as a surprise. Every new release these days yields those types of reactions. But if you listen to the song, I think you get a very talking headsy vibe from it. He will make you dance, as he always does. But the song, Everybody's Coming to My House, is available to stream now. You can head to 93XRT.com to listen to it. Uh, we posted a link to the YouTube video, which is a really cool animation he put together uh, in black and white that outlined several different caricatures of him and other people as well. So we're excited. American Utopia, once again, due out March 9th. Another bit of news that came out that, well, not exactly surprising, is always entertaining to read about, is the feud between the Gallagher brothers. The latest rumblings come from Liam Gallagher. As he says, an Oasis reunion is not happening. If you follow Liam Gallagher on Twitter, you'll remember that he made a truce with his brother Noel prior to Christmas and said that both of them were on good terms with one another. And naturally that leads Oasis fans speculating that, Oh, the band's going to get back together. Wonderful. Well, apparently Liam did ask Noel alongside other bandmates if they want to get back together and reunite to which they said, nah, we're good. So that appeared to break the camel's back as Liam Gallagher once again is feuding with his brother, Noel Uh, He sent out a couple of explicit filled tweets, which I won't repeat here. But if you want to see them to yourself, head on over to his Twitter account at Liam Gallagher, where you can read all about it. We'll, we'll, We'll read two tweets that he had that I found to be particularly entertaining and only someone like Liam Gallagher can get away with. He said that he'd been stealing thunder from Noel ever since the day that he was born. Secondly, after claims saying that he was undignified, Liam fired back by saying it's more undignified to support undignified acts like the Red Hot Chili Peppers and U2 by playing in stadiums. So there you have it. That's the latest stance on Oasis. And it really doesn't look like there's going to be a truce anytime soon or a reunion. So the good feelings that came about Christmas time are all but gone at this point. So Liam, Noel, best of luck to both of you. And thanks for providing endless amounts of entertainment. So, before we wrap things up on the very first In the Archives podcast, let's take a look at what's happening here at XRT this week. We have a great Friday feature on hand with Bob Marley and U2. U2 is going to be at the United Center this May 22nd and 23rd and just released their brand new album, Songs of Experience. So, we'll be giving some spins to tracks on that record as well as deep dive to both Bob Marley and U2's extensive catalog. Plus, if it's going to be cold out once again, Nothing sounds better than Bob Marley on the radio. So be sure to have us tuned to 93XRT or 93XRT.com that whole day for Bob Marley, new two Friday feature. We'll also be going back to 1976 on Saturday morning flashback this weekend. A couple of albums that came out that year include Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life, David Bowie's Station to Station, The Eagles Hotel California, Peter Frampton, Frampton Comes Alive, Black and Blue by the Rolling Stones as well as A Trick of the Tale by Genesis. That's from 9 a.m. to noon on 93XRT and 93XRT.com. We also have a ton of great concert tickets to give away on 93XRT.com. All you need to do is head to 93XRT.com slash contest or visit 93XRT.com and visit the giveaways tab to enter for your chance to win. We got tickets to a 93XRT show with Shamika Copeland at Space on March 31st two 93 XRT shows with the English Beat at City Winery on April 6th and April 7th, a 93 XRT show with Anderson East at Alia Hall on May 18th, and tickets to 93 XRT shows with the Tedeschi Trucks Band that's coming up later this month, January 25th, 26th, and 27th at the Chicago Theater. We'll also have tickets to a 93 XRT show with Sonny Landreth at Space on February 9th, and one of my personal favorite highlights of the year is the 2017 XRT Listener Poll Gala happening once again this year at City Winery on January 23rd. You can enter for your chance to win a pair of tickets to the event right now at 93xrt.com on our contest page. It's a fun event. We'll be webcasting it once again, and we got plenty of surprises in store as well as finding out who your favorites from 2017 were. we got top albums, songs, concerts, music venues, the Rookie of the Year, your favorite movie, and your favorite TV shows of 2017, Up for Grabs. Well, that's it. That's a verse podcast of Inside the Archives. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks again to Jason Thomas for joining us today. Uh, if you'd like to find out more information about future episodes of In the Archives, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all of those at 93XRT. And find us on 93XRT.com, where you can listen to this show, Share it with your friends, leave a review, and tell your parents about it as well, because it's an exciting new venture that we have going on here at XRT. We'll be talking to all of your favorite DJs about a wide variety of topics, as I mentioned earlier, and get those stories that you've heard about but have never really been fully confirmed or explored in their entirety. So it's going to be a fun time talking to Lynn, Terry, Mary, Marty, Ryan, and everyone else here at 93XRT. Once again, I'm Marty Rosamond. Thanks so much for listening.
0: TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone